0: but let me pray before we get into that father we thank you for this morning we thank you for your presence we thank you that you you are you fill this space and that we ask for that we ask for your presence here we ask that you would push out anything that would confuse us anything that would keep us from understanding what you are trying to communicate to us this morning we ask that you would bring clarity to your word, clarity to our lives. We feel like everything is in flux right now. Nothing is settled. Everything is sort of like a snow globe, and everything's flying around. And we just pray, Father God, that we would be comfortable with the process that you are taking us through. And I pray that especially for myself. That your spirit would guide us, that you would fill us with trust and faith and patience as we watch what you're doing, and we participate in it. We ask for your presence, Father God, more than anything. Amen. So this is the final Sunday of our third mini-series, and we've been calling this one Cat and Dog Theology. There's still one book left back there if you want to grab it. Uh, that talks about all this stuff, feel free to grab that and take it home with you. If you feel guilty about taking something you are not stealing. We are giving it to you if you want it, but you can also stick you know a few dollars in that black box over there to assuage your guilt but anyway, um, today we are talking about loving God with our minds, loving God with our minds and we 've said we 've been saying that life is not all about us, right but today we want to talk about the ramifications of that, and we 've been comparing our theology in life you know our theologian theologies and the Christian views different Christian views uh with cats and dogs so some people have a cat-like theology some people have a dog-like theology and if you think about the character of those two animals you, you you're going to catch on pretty quickly dogs live with a passion to glorify god right they they um with their lives they believe that everything is from him through him to him everything revolves around god for a dog so you you know if you you a dog loves their master they just can't they can't get enough of their master right and cats though live like a selfish bride they're they're there to get what they can get from god but not necessarily getting there are there to get uh, get to know God himself for who he is uh, life is all about them uh, God did everything for them kind of kind of kind of uh, thought uh, and in the world uh, was created for their enjoyment and their pleasure and all that kind of stuff and that's what they think which is a cancer that is really eating away at our faith at, at churches uh, things like that it's a crooked doctrine at best a crooked doctrine at best cats uh, even hold on to this view despite all the overwhelming evidence that life isn't all about us. We're you know we're a pretty self-centered race. You know it seems like you know, in Mark chapter twelve verse thirty, we are told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? It's just it's a very familiar uh, verse. And today we're going to focus on loving God with our mind. Right? And we're gonna we're gonna talk about we're gonna think through uh, creation a little bit. And all the while asking ourselves the question, is the world really here for us, right? Did God create all this stuff for us, right? Um, Now, let me ask, if you were going to create the world, think about this, uh, you were in charge of creating it, what percentage of the planet would you make habitable for humankind? Would it be 2%? Of the planet, would it be 10%, 50%, 75% or 100% of this, the surface of this earth, you know, habitable for mankind, right? Well, most people, I think, you know, especially us Americans, we love efficiency and all that kind of stuff. We would maximize the space, right? We would create a planet where we would inhabit, we would be able to inhabit 100% of that space. But we know that that is not what God did, Right? He created the planet in such a way that we live on about 25% of the planet. And it's all about us, right? And if it's all about us, then why only 25%? And if we were going to grade Jesus on His creative work, on His work of creation, we might give Him an F right or a d at the best since we're only allowed to exist on 25 percent of the planet he did not maximize the resources for us didn't seem very uh smart of him to do do it that way boy it's like 40 degrees hotter up here i'll tell you that those those fans bring down that air conditioner if you're smart you're sitting in the middle i don't know about you guys on the sides but um so i might i might be be all sweaty by the time i get done but let's explore other areas of creation um, if it's all about us, why did God create all these beautiful, brilliantly colored fish in the water where we don't really live, right? Many of, many of which we have yet to even discover. There's so much in the ocean that we have yet to even discover. We don't get to enjoy their beauty, at least on a regular basis, right? Some of us never at all do we get down there to see all that in person, Right? So, what kind of grade does the Lord get for making beautiful fish in the ocean where we can't enjoy them since we don't inhabit the ocean? If creation was all about us, uh, and if the fish were created just for us, we might give God an F since we can't even see them, right? Why does an eagle have better eyesight than us? If it were all about us, don't you think God would give us the best eyesight, right? Why can't a baby horse walk right out of the womb, right? Right at birth, he can walk, but humans take like nine months even to learn to crawl, some of us even longer. If life were about us, don't you think God would do that for us? It'd be a lot easier on us moms and dads, maybe. Maybe a little harder, I'm not sure. But if it were all about us, you know, what, why can elephants and dogs hear sounds that we can't even hear? Isn't that incredible? They hear sounds we can't even hear. Why would God allow that if it's really all about us why did god create us to sleep eight hours a day but he created a, a giraffe to sleep for only five minutes at a time adding up to about two hours a day isn't that kind of strange uh you know god could have created us like that but he didn't do it right and for us doers that's sort of a raw deal right i you know i didn't i if 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 uh Rob, <laughs> if Rob Granholm could, could sleep for two, only two hours a day, he's like Joe Efficient. If he could sleep for only two hours a day, he would get so much done, right? But it's kind of a raw deal. Sorry about that, Rob. I've known Rob for years. That's, that was just a, a brain fart right there. But, um but why are there? If you think about it, why are there galaxies, whole galaxies out there that we can't even see? Right. At, at best, we can only see a tiny fraction of the stars with our naked eye that make up our own universe. Right. Why there's a ton of beauty out there that we can that we can see. Kim and I go backpacking in places or or kayaking in places, and gosh, the night sky is just incredibly beautiful. Right. Why can't we change our appearance like a chameleon, right? He changes his color to adapt to his environment, to hide from predators, things like that. You see somebody coming along that you don't want to talk to, you you don't like, you meld into a brick wall. That would be pretty helpful, kind of like a superpower. If he lets a chameleon do that, why not me? Why can't I do that, right? You know, when a starfish loses an arm, it grows right back. You know, and, and that lost arm actually can grow other arms and become a whole new starfish. Isn't that kind of interesting? The, see, we have to agree that the world would be a lot better place if I could hack off my limbs and populate the, army, the, the world with armies of Jason. We can all agree on that, that the world would be much better if there were lots of me's around. And if you're honest, you would think the same thing about yourself. If God did that to the starfish, why couldn't he have done that to us, Right? Why do we have to go out, go around without an arm or a leg if we get in an accident and lose it for the rest of our lives? It doesn't seem to make sense. Why can't we say, you know, hey, I really like myself. You know, look in the mirror like, mm, I'm a pretty good guy. Just hack off an arm and grow another Jason, right? Why, why can't I do that? Why can the hummingbird go 60 miles an hour in full flight and Hussein Bolt tops out at 28 miles an hour? I think he's the fastest guy on the earth, right? Whatever he is, whatever he can do. If life was all about us as human beings, why didn't God create us that way? We might give him an F on that one. See, if we're using our minds and, and, and life is really all about us, we might give God a bad grade. We might give him an F. But here's the good news. Life is not about us. It's not about us. Now, think about that, because I guarantee you, you think you're pretty special, Right? I think we think that humankind is so special. It, life is about God. God and God's glory. And we see this clearly in two passages found both in Romans and in Revelation. Let's start with the Romans passage. Uh, chapter 11, verse 36, which says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever forever. Amen. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him, God, be the glory forever. Amen. So from God, through God, to God are all things. (coughs) Everything, Everything revolves around him. It doesn't say some things or it doesn't say most things. It says all things, all things, everything in this earth. Everything in the cosmos, right? Everything, every pencil, every chair, every cloud, every star, every person, uh, every bird, everything is from him. In other words, God created them. If you don't believe that, you're going to have a hard time in your walk of faith. God created them. And everything is through him and meaning it all it's all held together by god if god withdrew his presence withdrew his power the universe would fall apart everything would just fall apart everything is to him right all things are designed to point us to God. Everything in this world, in this universe, in this cosmos is to po- designed to point us to God. Every hair on your head is designed to point us to God. Every cell in our bodies is designed to point us to God. Every fish, every sunset, every sunrise was created to point us to God. That's what Romans in the first few chapters of Romans says. Everything revolves around him. Everything. Everything. Now let's look at Romans or Revelation 4 verses 9 through 11. Here we catch a glimpse of heaven through John's vision of the throne of God. And it says this, whenever the living creatures and these are all these, you know, beings that they're worshiping the Lord, whenever these the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and they say this, and this is important. You are worthy. O our Lord, our God, our our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Let me, let me read that twice. You are worthy, our Lord and God. See, this is what America has given up. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Amen. Now, in the original Greek... The phrase by your will can easily be translated for your pleasure. And I would imagine both of those those, uh, definitions were rattling around in their brains as they first read this. You know, by your will, for your pleasure, you willed this because you wanted to. Because you liked it. God created everything for His pleasure. Amen to that. Everything has its being for God's pleasure. We're here to please Him. We're here to please Him. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9, he says, so we make it our goal to please Him. Do you make that your goal every day when you wake up to please God? Man, if you can make that your goal, holy smokes, right? We make it our goal to please Him whether we are at home in the body or away from it we make it our goal to please him what a great verse to memorize right that's our goal and that's our purpose in this world to please god created for his pleasure that's what we are everything was created for that only that purpose only right and a dog's going to say to that Cat, this is what I've been telling you all along. Life is not about us. It is about God, and it's about what God gets to do, not us. You've got to love God with your mind and ask the questions in order to fully comprehend all that you were created to be and for what life's all about. So yes, the earth is covered with three-quarters water because maybe God likes it that way. Maybe it was necessary for all those other things out there in the world which he delights in and not just for us. And maybe he made be- the beauty of the fish for himself to enjoy, and not just because it's, it's, uh, it's it not because not for us, because it's for him. He enjoys things like other than just a relationship with us. He enjoys all the things of this world. He enjoys the fish of the sea. God does. You ever think about that? Maybe He gave the eagle better eyesight than us because He wanted it. He liked it that way. It brings Him pleasure to have elephants and dogs hear sounds that we can't even hear because He loves the diversity of creation. He created us to sleep for eight hours a day, a third of our life, maybe to remind us that we are not God and to keep us humble and to to learn to depend on Him instead of, you know, to always be independent and always constantly be doing things in our own strength. To learn our limitations. And He enjoys. He can see them all. The galaxies that we can't see, they were made for Him. And he has the chameleon change colors and not us, maybe so we won't be so preoccupied with what we look like on the outside, which we still are. We're not starfish because God didn't want us to have multiple, multiple versions of the same person. One Jason, believe it or not, is all the world really needs, Right? So what if the hummingbird can fly at 60 miles an hour, it can fly much faster than us? You know, it's not about us. Life and everything which exists points to God and His glory. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory. Amen. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and for your pleasure they were created and have their being and knowing all that holds tremendous ramifications for your life and your faith and your decisions in psalm 115 verse 3 we read our god is in heaven he does whatever pleases him i'll read that twice our god is in heaven he does whatever pleases him god does what pleases god right and most of what what he does has been thought up before the beginning of time right Let's look at passages which show us this or point this out. While walking among us, Jesus spoke many parables. We know that. We've read them, right? Matthew quotes Psalm 78 to explain why Jesus did this. And, uh, and, and it tells us in Matthew 13, 35, it says, So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, What's hidden since the creation of the world? What does that refer to? Well, it's telling us that God had many things in his mind before he even created the world, before time even began. Before the first electron was put together, God had a plan. Before the first angel was created, God has a plan. Before Adam and Eve you know, were put on this earth, God had a plan. And it wasn't simply that he would create us. It was far more complex. It was far more in-depth. It was far more beautiful. Look at what we learned from 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. He says, He has saved us, and He has called us to a holy life, called us to a holy life, hear that, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Now here's the kicker. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. We received grace through Christ before the beginning of time, not just 2,000 years ago. God had it in His mind to have His Son die and rise from the dead and redeem the world before the world was ever created. You ever think about these things? Revelation 13 verse 8 refers to Jesus as the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. And knowing this helps us see a huge difference between dog thinking and cat thinking. Right, and what we see is that eternity past and eternity future extend well beyond beyond our our own existence of about five to six thousand years, and you may be sitting there thinking right now, oh he, jason doesn 't understand evolution no, I understand it i don 't believe it. I believe the scriptures, so for argument 's sake, if you don 't believe that way, I think you 're going to have to come to conclusion other conclusions in the, in the future but just for today just say that civilization civilization is about that old right just for argument's sake and a dog looks at that passage and or passages like this and which, uh, you know and they would say all this and that that uh it's all been done before the beginning of time sorry i lost my thought and he says, all of this was thought up, right? All of this was thought up. It was worked through before time ever began. You know, God thought us up. He thought up his son's death on the cross. You know, therefore, he had to know about sin. God must have known everything, right? Before it happened. Omnipotence, right? And and therefore, he made a plan for everything. And it would make sense when God says in Revelation 21, verse 6, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And notice that that is, in the present tense, I am the end. God knows the end from the beginning. He knows all things. He had a plan for, for it all from the beginning. He is not out of control. Even though I worry about things like, like a lot, you know, at times... He is not out of control. He's not losing the battle. But cats don't think like that, right? They think, oh no, God must have, you know, must have seen Adam and Eve sin, and then they thought to themselves, or he thought to himself, what am I going to do now? Oh my gosh, they they duped me. They they did one over on me. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to send my son down there to fix things up. That's not what happened. And he, you know, they think that somehow He comes down and He kind of works with us to make things right. The cat would be wrong and the dog would be right, which makes a huge difference in how we look at life. And here's the key. God did not consult us <laughs> when He imagined creation. We weren't even around yet. He did not consult us. We are not equal partners with Him. Our wants and our desires weren't first considered. Everything's running according to God's plan and wishes. And you might be thinking, then God knew about evil and suffering. And I would counter by asking, would it have been better if nothing was ever created, that you never existed, that this earth never existed, that the cosmos never existed? Is all the wonder and all the suffering of life worth The beauty of it all. Including the ability to love and receive love and be in relationship with each other and with our Creator. Would we know love and beauty and all this without the suffering? The sweet suffering of life. There's something beautiful about that. But the sentiment of American culture is that everyone's wishes and desires have to be consulted and have to be considered. Everything has to be fair for everybody all the time in America. Or somehow we're insensitive and hurtful. Absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible to do. And that's how societies fall apart. And we're watching it before our very eyes right now. Existentially, ontologically, whatever you want to say, humanity must come under the headship of one God, our God. We must. Because when human desire is released and set loose, it destroys everything in its path, even itself. And that's why God gets to be in charge. He sets the standard And he gets to do what he wants to do. And we get to fall in line with that or not. And there are consequences to both decisions. And we realize, if we're thinking, if we're responsive, uh, and if we're patient enough, that our obedience to God, as he reveals himself in the Bible, is the best for everyone and all things, even the environment. That unity and obedience to Christ's Lordship saved, uh, saves us from the tyranny and the destruction of our own sinful nature. It is true freedom. It is real freedom to live in healthy community, to enjoy each other, to enjoy our God, and it actually serves to renew uh, the environment. You want to talk about environmental issues? Follow Jesus, start caring. God gets to do what God gets to do. He is in charge. And this is what He's saying saying to us all throughout Isaiah. In Isaiah 40, verses 13 and 14, it says, Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows Him His counsel? Whom did He consult? And whom did he understand? Who who made him to understand? Oh, God doesn't get it. We're going to have to talk to him. Get him to understand our side of the, the, the argument. Who taught him the path of justice? We like to say we know justice. I'm not sure we do. And taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. And the answer is an obvious not one of us. No one in history ever has, and ever will. If God didn't consult us before creation, uh, then God simply did what He wanted to do. Therefore, it's easy to conclude that life is not about us. It is about God. It is about what God gets to do. It's about God's glory in this world. So let's look at three passages which we can now understand in a new way if we adopt this line of thinking our first is found in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 which gives us a new understanding of heaven it says and God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him this is your position in Christ as a Christian in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that... Now stop there for a second. And we notice those three words, in order that. It tells us that there's a purpose clause, that there's a reason why we are saved. And here is where we find out what that reason is. It says, in order that in the coming ages, He, God, might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Let me read that. In in order that in the coming ages, God might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in us, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Amen to that. Look at verse 7. Count all the times that God is referred to and all the times that we're referred to. Four times it refers to God, one time us. And, you know, you count Jesus in that four times and once us. And the cat cries out, praise God, praise the Lord, it's all about us. Heaven is all about where I get to go. Praise God, he does everything for me. And the dog cries out, no, it's 80, 90% about God and, and 20, 20% or 10% about me. And heaven's more about what God gets than what I get. See, a dog sees that Greek word uh, show and, and and he knows it means to put on display or to demonstrate or to live out, right? And what this tells us is that God put us in heaven for one primary purpose and that he might put on display, he might demonstrate, he might live out his grace forever and ever and ever. Heaven's more about what God gets than what we get. But God did something very unique with Adam and Eve when he created them. He did it without consulting them, and he did it for his own pleasure. And this is a hard one. Listen, we find it in Romans eleven thirty-two, a passage which is very hard for a cat to swallow. Cats pass over this verse all the time. If they could have an exacto knife, they might even cut it out. It says, for God has bound everyone over to dis- disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all let me read it twice let it sink in for god has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all now there's a couple key words there the first is bound obviously from the greek it means to shut up you know on all sides to enclose something right so what it means is whether you go forward or backward or left or right or up or down or whatever, you are going to sin. You can't avoid it. God doesn't force you to sin, but you, you do it of your own free will, right? But we've been in, put in such a, a position that we will sin always in this life. And a cat looks at that word bound and thinks about his struggle with sin and he yells at God saying, That is not fair. Why'd you do that to me? Because for a cat, everything has to be fair. There's no courage in a cat. And a dog looks at it and he bows his head in humble submission and he recites Job 13 15. He says, Though he slay me, though he slay me, I will trust in him. Think about Job's life. Yeah it's hard says the dog right yes it hurts when i sin but i know it's not about me god made me like this so he could have mercy on me and it's that and, and if that's what he wants to do then so be it he's in charge i'm not in charge right he didn't consult with me about this it's not in my business nor should he have right he, and and when god shows his mercy and 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 put it puts his glory on display for everybody in the world to see not just you know for now but forever and and ever in the future if he uses me for that then that's what life is all about and i'm okay with this and even even if i wasn't it doesn't matter because it's not about me i don't make the rules another cat passage god has, or, or, or another uh, passage cats have, have a hard time wrapping their mind around is romans 9 22 and 23 it says what if god although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction what if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy whom he prepared in advance for glory and the cat says what objects prepared for destruction that is not fair That's not right. That doesn't make me feel good. That shouldn't be in the Bible. That part of the Bible is not God's word for me, the cat says. If they focus on that passage, they go into shock. So they just simply skip over it, and they go to verses that they like, and they refuse to think deeply about what God has wanted to do since the beginning of time, since before the beginning of time. They can't even fathom working in a paradigm where people aren't consulted or don't have an equal say with God. Cats do read Romans 11.36 that everything is from Him and through Him and to Him, but they never thought of the implications of that before, what it means uh, you know, to their theology. And they always read it. They might say it out loud correctly, right? They might say the words correctly, but in their heart, they read it as if they're saying, for from us and through us and to us are all things. And when we understand that everything revolves around God, we gain a new appreciation for what it means to call Him Lord. And that's what we're missing right now. In American, at least American Christianity. I don't know about the rest of the world. But we are missing that part. And it's becoming more and more evident to us all the time. He didn't consult us. He's in charge. He calls the shots. He's totally and absolutely in control. And that drives home the concept once again, life is not about us, it is about God, it is about God's glory. So some of us have really lived in this boxed-in theology which has caused caused us to view life from a sort of a distorted angle and, and as a result we've not seen very clearly in our walk with Christ. And I hope that we can start to do that. So that ends our 12 weeks talking about the whole story of God. This is a mission series, but I have not called it a mission series yet until just now. Because when I say it's a mission series, you categorize it. Missions is everything. The mission of God to God's glory. That's everything. That's what we're supposed to be about. Right? So it doesn't end our devotion to this story, it's it's our call. we've seen that it's our call to go and reach the nations for the glory of God, and we've all got to wrestle with how do we do that? From our own Jerusalem, Acts one eight, right? Our own Jerusalem to the you know the eastern main line, right? To our Samaria, which might be Philly and all the internationals living there in that in the city to the ends of the earth in Morocco and Indonesia and Bangladesh and Syria and Lebanon or wherever our focus is a local. Bo- uh, you know, body of Christ falls wherever God leads us to be involved. I hope we've seen the difference between a God-centered theology and a people-centered theology. I hope we're becoming more aware of what it means to live for God's glory in daily, practical ways to make different decisions. Much of which starts with just simply placing God in the center of all things where he is supposed to be. He is supposed to be on the throne of my life. The supreme ruler, the supreme creator of all things, worthy of all my worship and praise in everything that I think, say, and do. And all my money and my house, my children and my family and my wife and all of you guys and our relationships. We've seen the task in this series of the church of God to reach all the nations and that that is traced from Abraham's call back in Genesis 12 all throughout the body of the Scripture, right? And reiterated by Christ in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. We've seen all that and it culminates in a revelation when all the tribes and all the tongues and all the peoples and all the nations worship God at the throne as we see in Revelations 5 and 7 and other places. God is king with the right to establish purpose for us. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the end's not coming tomorrow because all those nations have not been reached. I can tell you that much. So as grateful, obedient dogs, we've found a treasure in Jesus. Jesus. We willingly give our all in life to gain that treasure. That's what we fight for. It's just to gain that treasure. When Christ is glorified at the center of our lives, we can say with all integrity, I will go anywhere. I will do anything. I will say anything for the sake of your glory, Lord Jesus. And if we can do that, if we can get to that point, Then we will understand Revelation 5 and what they're saying and singing in that chapter. So I want you to bow your heads with me right now, and I want to pray the sentiments of Revelations chapter 5 and chapter 7. Bow with me. Lord Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood. You purchase for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. You make them to be a kingdom of kingdom and, and priests to serve our God, who will reign on the earth. Worthy are you, the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And we look forward to that time in the future. When there will be a great multitude that no one can count, from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before you, the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, crying out in loud voices, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Praise glory wisdom thanks honor power and strength be to our god forever and ever amen never again will we hunger never again will we thirst the sun will not be down at us nor any scorching heat you jesus the lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd forever and ever you'll lead us to springs of living water and wipe away every tear from our eyes that's what we look forward to jesus And we remember your sacrifice right now, today. As we come to the Lord's table, we remember what it means. We remember how you sat in that upper room and you broke bread and you said, This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And you took that cup of wine and you said, Drink this. This is my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. And we don't want to do that flippantly anymore. We want to do that with all seriousness. Knowing that we are completely and wholly given over to you. And that you get to make the calls on our lives. Not us. So Father, speak to us. Convict us. Lead us. Let us understand where you're going and what you're doing in a very tumultuous time. And let us make decisions to that end and nothing else. And it's in Christ' name we pray. Amen. So we are, from now until the end of the ser- the, the service, we're going to practice the Lord's table. We're still using these for COVID. Uh, you just peel off the bottom and take the bread, and you peel off the top, and then you dip the bread, and, and take it as you would. Um, and you can do that Prayerfully, I would ask you to do it prayerfully. If you're if you're a Christian, if you've embraced Christ, and you want to take communion, this this table is open for you. Uh, If you need to confess something, uh, Dawn will be up here to pray. I think, and she she can pray for you. um, If you want somebody to pray for you, Uh, if you need to make a phone call and ask for forgiveness from somebody, do that right now. Um, Don't come to this table bringing that baggage. Let it go. This is a practice of confession as well it is as it is of remembrance in some sense. So from now till the end of the service, feel free and Don's going to share what the prayer team has said to us.